0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Thank you. Good morning. Well, um, we're continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter eight verses uh, twenty two through twenty six and that 's page eight four four in the pew bibles and uh, for those of you who are watching the live stream we thank you for your patience we uh, we almost had it this morning and and then we didn't but uh, hopefully it's, uh, sound is working now and everything is uh, is okay uh, we trust the Lord with it anyway Well, we're going to be looking at a very um, interesting and uh, what I think odd event in the ministry of Jesus. And that's uh, the healing of a blind man near the village of Bethsaida. And what's what's unique about this event um, is that Jesus healed the man in stages, uh, a partial healing and then a complete restoration Of his site. Uh, And it's also important to understand um, if you're thinking about the geography of the region at all, it's important to understand that this place, this event takes place outside a village called Bethsaida, but there are two Bethsaidas, uh, which can be confusing. Uh, There are two around the Sea of Galilee. One is on the western side of the Sea of Galilee, and then one that's on the northeastern side, actually a little bit away from the lake uh, near the Jordan River. Uh, And that's called Bethsaida Julius, which is where this event takes place. Um, And that's only anecdotal if you don't remember Jesus uh, saying, Woe to you, uh, Bethsaida and Chorazin. Uh, for if the mighty works that were done in you were done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. That's not this Bethsaida. That's the other one. So um, that's important for the larger view anyway. So let's look at our text this morning, Mark chapter eight, twenty-two 22 through 26. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hand on his eyes again And he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this account in the scripture. We thank you, Lord, that it's not just a passing event, it's included here in your word to instruct us. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move among us, that we would understand your word that we would see your word as it is, your words to us. Lord, we uh, look forward to what you have to say to us this morning. And again, I pray that uh, no one would hear my words, but they'd hear from you. Um, So we entrust you with that work, Lord. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Gospels record uh, something like seven blind people um, that were healed by Jesus. Um, This wasn't the first healing of a blind man, and this wasn't the last, but it certainly is the most unique um, because of the stages. And we must remember that um, Jesus was not unaware of the Father's program for him here on earth. He's not unaware of the plan. The things that he did and said during his earthly ministry and what are recorded in his word are strategic. We've talked about that before. They always have a purpose. This isn't just uh, an inspirational coffee mug uh, verse here. Um, And I try very hard, and with moderate success, I think, to not take these individual accounts and, uh, from the Gospels and turn them into parables, or turn them into to fables, as if they're merely just a, an imaginary object lesson. Uh, they, there are certainly lessons for us to learn from these accounts, but here Jesus is working to instruct his disciples and to point to things that were coming. We can't forget most of Jesus' ministry on earth was instructing the disciples so that when he ascended back to heaven, they would be prepared to continue his ministry here on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you think about it, Jesus Perhaps you have heard before that Jesus held the office of prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. The only one who could fulfill all three offices. And those offices are important for us to understand what they are. So that we can more fully understand the ministry of Jesus. The prophet declares the word of the Lord, calling God's people back to himself. The prophet puts on display the word and work and wonders of the Lord, speaking as the father's mouthpiece. Um, That is what Jesus' ministry had been to up to this point. He's preaching repentance, and his message is accompanied with power, and authority accompanied by signs and wonders. But Jesus also holds the office of priest, high priest, offering sacrifice to God on behalf of his people for their sin. The high priest would bring the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies, mo the innermost part of the temple in Jerusalem, but only once a year on the day of atonement. Last week we looked at verse eleven through 13 of this chapter, when Jesus was pressed for a sign by the Pharisees. you remember that? And Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, is what the word says, because he was accepting, the first steps on the path of the ultimate high priest, a way of suffering and pain, a way of not uh, merely offering the blood of bulls and rams on the altar, but his own blood offered for sins, offered for the sin of the whole world. Moses, if you remember from the Old Testament held the offices of both prophet and priest. He spoke on behalf of God to the people, um, and he spoke uh, uh, to the people on behalf of God, and so fulfilled both of those offices. King David served as both prophet and king. He spoke on behalf of God and ruled over God's people. But only Jesus could serve as prophet and priest and king. He's the only one qualified to do that. Now, the people of Israel knew these offices. They knew what a prophet was what a priest was and what a king was. Even if they didn't recognize who Jesus was, they knew who the prophets were they knew what their job was and they knew who the priests were and what their job was and they knew who the king was or he used to be they didn't have one then but they knew what his job was but they didn't understand who Jesus was that he was prophet and priest and king and the disciples didn't either the disciples honestly were just like this blind man Let me read our text again. Well, I'm going to, whether you let me or not. (laughs) And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands upon him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Now, it would be very easy to settle here with our text, to settle for a shallow sermonette-type thought just on the surface. So let me explain what that would look like some people brought their friend to jesus for healing amen we should do that right that's not wrong jesus led the blind man by the hand out of the village we should bring our uh, we should trust jesus to lead us even when we can't see where he's taking us amen right that's not wrong Jesus spit on the blind man's eyes and so we also should No. Just kidding. <laughs> Jesus spit on the blind man's eyes and laid his hands on him. Sometimes Jesus uses different methods to heal people and sometimes we don't understand them, but we can trust in him. Amen? Not wrong. All right? You're starting to figure out this a trick. This man wasn't completely healed at first. His healing came in stages. And so sometimes healing is a process, right? Sometimes it's gradual, so that we should learn to be patient. Amen? It's not wrong. Sometimes Christ's healing in people's lives is gradual. Sometimes it does take a process. Our part is to reach out our trembling hands to our Savior and trust him. He will lead us and he will heal us. Maybe not physically, maybe not emotionally or mentally, but certainly spiritually. And our ultimate healing will come in his eternal kingdom where we will be made like him and free from sin and pain and death. That's the healing we can look forward to through faith in Jesus. What a wonderful truth. No amens? Yeah, it's a wonderful truth. It is true. But it's not the only truth. Not the only truth here in this passage. Some scholars have speculated that the two-stage healing of this man, this blind man, was somehow due to a lack of faith in the village of Bethsaida somehow due to a lack of faith in this man. Both of those things could not be further from the truth. The first problem is not enough faith in Bethsaida, because remember Jesus uh, said, woe to you, Corazin and Bethsaida, right? Mighty works were done in you who didn't believe, but that's a different Bethsaida, so that does not connect here, All right? The idea suggests a lack of faith in the village, a lack of faith in this man, was that somehow Jesus' power is dependent on other people. That's not true. This was deliberate. Jesus was up to something. We can't forget. Everything he did was some purpose. It's not, whoops, I guess I can only heal him halfway at first. I tried, but I got to try again. No, that is not our Savior. Another thing that's interesting is that this man knew what it was to see once upon a time. If you have never seen a tree before, can you compare something to a tree? No, you don't know what that is. Oh, that's what a tree looks like? That's different, right? This man says, I see people, but they look like trees. So, he had lost his sight, either by disease or some tragedy, but either way, he was blinded. And after Jesus spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Now, this obviously wouldn't go over very well in 2020, because Jesus would probably give him coronavirus by spitting. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that was dumb. <coughs> But the kids didn't even like that. (laughs) Just sometimes keep your thoughts to yourself. What this man saw was a foggy, misty, incomplete image of people. They looked like trees walking around to him. Now, you may uh, be able to relate to that if your prescription glasses are strong enough. When you take them off, the people look like misty, foggy blobs. That's what this man sees. But who really should have related to that statement was the disciples, because that's exactly how they saw Jesus. Their image of him was foggy, it was misty, it was incomplete. They couldn't yet comprehend who he was or what he was doing or what he was there to do. In fact, their picture wouldn't be clear until after his resurrection from the dead, after his ascension to heaven, after the Holy Spirit was given to them. The Holy Spirit is the lens that corrects our view. They needed a second touch from God in order to fully comprehend his person, and work. And they received that second touch on the day of Pentecost. And by God's grace, we receive that second touch when we accept Christ as Savior. in In a way, this blind man represents humanity. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked with God, saw him, they talked with him, in the sweet fellowship of innocence and holiness. They could see him clearly. But then the ultimate tragedy, when they disobeyed God and sin entered the world, they were blinded by sin, and they could no longer walk with the Father in the garden in the cool of the day. They could no longer see him face to face. Sin marred them and forever scarred the human race. And now all the generations that followed share their spiritual blindness. But then Jesus appeared, bringing hope and healing and forgiveness through faith by God's grace. Through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, he offered healing for the blindness Of mankind through a method that didn't make sense, didn't make sense to us. Much like spitting on the eyes of a blind man. Why would he do that? He could have just healed him with a word, snap his fingers, and the man's side restored. But he didn't do that. He could have made it so this man was never blinded, never had to experience this this miracle just as he could have prevented mankind from falling from grace. But he didn't. Why didn't he? Why didn't he spare this man this pain? Why didn't he spare mankind this pain? He did it so that he could display the wonders of the Father. That he could display just how great his love is. For now, we are bound to see things as foggy, as misty, as incomplete. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are no longer blind, but we're not yet fully healed. We are not complete yet. That complete healing will come with Christ's return as king. We talk about prophet, we talk about priest. When Jesus returned as king that is when our healing will be complete. When every eye will see him as he is and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. One day, we will see clearly. But you have to ask yourself right now, do I even see partially? Have I offered my heart and my hand to Jesus for healing and forgiveness and salvation? And if you have, do you trust him as king? He has spoken as prophet. He has served as priest. Do you trust him? Will you follow him as king? Does he have complete rule and reign in your life? These are the most important questions humanity can wrestle with. We want hope and healing in our land. Hope and healing starts with Jesus. I'll close with a quote from Charles Hodge We, as fallen people, ignorant, guilty, polluted, and helpless, need a savior who is a prophet to instruct us a priest to atone and make intercession for us and a king to rule over and protect us and the salvation which we receive at his hands includes all that a prophet priest and king in the highest sense of those terms can do we are enlightened in the spiritual enlightened in the knowledge of the truth We are reconciled unto God by the sacrificial death of his son. And we are delivered from the power of Satan and introduced into the kingdom of God. All of which supposes that our redeemer is to us at once prophet, priest, and king. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you are able to serve as prophet and priest and king. You have instructed us from your word. You have shown us our sinfulness. But you served as the sacrifice, brought the sacrifice to bring atonement for your people, to make us one with God through faith. You yourself offered the sacrifice. And you yourself intercede for us at the throne of God. And you yourself serve as king. And we bow to you and you alone. Lord, may we, your people, continue to recognize who you are. And though we see only foggy, misty, incomplete pictures, We look forward to the day when our sight will be completely restored, when you return to gather your church to yourself, to bring us into your eternal kingdom, where we can walk with you in the garden in the cool of the day. Lord, if there is anyone here who has not reached out their trembling hand to you for healing, for forgiveness, for salvation, Lord, may they simply cry out, Forgive me, Lord, I am a sinner. I trust your death on the cross was for me. Here's my life. Take it and make me whole. God, may we never forget the simple truth that the Lord Jesus is our prophet, our priest, and our king. And we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.